Hi, I'm Arnold Ristogi, and this is Satvik Srinivas. And together, we are co-hosts of the Backfield Rift. Thank you for tuning in this week. And in this episode, we're going to talk about the coaching hires, some of the drama, all the moves that are going on in the NFL. But before we get into that, we have to talk about what happened on championship weekend because none of our predictions actually came true. Both of our Super Bowl predictions, they they, they kind of fell flat. Uh, so with that being said, let's get right into it. Yeah, you've got a feel for Packers fans, man. This is four straight NFC championships, four straight L's. And this one especially, it hurts because you have so many opportunities. Tom Brady was literally handing that game to the Packers three picks late in the game. And, and you know, there's that thing that, you know, they say turnovers decide games, but that's not even true because it's not just getting those turnovers, but it's about what you do with those turnovers. And despite getting three prime opportunities with turnovers, they were only able to score one touchdown off of that. And at the end of the day, you know, you say what you want, you talk about Kevin King and the horrible day he had, you can say whatever you want about the refs, but the fact is the Packers didn't execute at the end of the game when they had to. Yeah, I mean, if you weren't given the score and you just had to look at the stat sheet and you saw Tom Brady threw three picks and Aaron Rodgers had the day that he had, you would have thought, oh my God, the Packers, they would have blown the Buccaneers out. But that was far from the case. I mean, I just don't understand how you are able to get three straight interceptions off three straight Tampa Bay drives and only convert on one of them. In the NFC Championship game, when you are the number one offense, how do you do that? Like, like, do you not have a play called design? Do you not have a scheme designed, especially late in the game when you know the pass rush is coming? You, you know, there's, there's somewhat of an – you have to adapt the game plan in-game. You have to make some adjustments. You're the number one offense in the NFL, after all. And, and you go out there and do that in the championship game – it's it's really underwhelming for me what I saw about from from Aaron Rodgers and the Packers and to me it wasn't even like the Buccaneers truly won that game it was just the Packers shooting themselves in the leg time and time again and you're right you can say whatever you want the four down call um, the penalties all of that I mean it really comes down to the interceptions and the points off turnovers. Yeah, and looking at this Buccaneers team, right, you know, hats off to Tom Brady. I'm not taking anything away from him. Ten Super Bowl appearances, that, that's greatness right there. But you can't tell me that Tom Brady was the reason they won that game. Tom Brady could have very well been the reason they lost that football game. But that defense, that Tampa Bay defense, that's why the Buccaneers won that game. And, you know, you really look at it, just – they were a really physical defense. You can, you can make the argument they were even too physical, getting really grabby in some some you know key plays. But they at the end of the game there, I remember in that goal-to-go situation, you know, second and third down, the Packers, of course, they went for the field goal on fourth down. So those were the last two shots they had. Both of those plays, the Packers went empty. And it was identical offensive and defensive formations on both of those plays. And Tampa was just better on both of those plays. They had those receivers covered up. 
And at the end there, on that third down play, you just wish Aaron Rodgers just took off, but he was hesitating. And that's just indecision right there. And even if he doesn't take off, right? If he throws that ball just a second earlier, if he's not just pumping and pumping, I have a feeling Devontae Adams would have made that grab, but th- there's just a lot of things. And even on that first down play on that same uh, drive, like before on, on the goal to go first and goal, Alan Lazard, you're running the RPO, you throw it to Lazard and, and he doesn't expect the ball and just so many things. And they, they just weren't able to take advantage of all the opportunities they got. Yeah. This Packers bucks game was, it was something, I mean, both quarterbacks, you could say just, kind of underperformed and really it was the Tampa Bay defense that showed up and won the game and decided who would go to the Super Bowl here. Um, but let's look at the AFC championship game here. Chiefs bills, you know, bills get off to a early lead off of some chiefs miscues and Patrick Mahomes does what he does. He just comes right back. Yeah. And I know, I know I picked the chiefs, but, I did not see that coming and just, you know, for the, despite the season, the bills had, they were just outmatched in that game. And it's not just that Casey's offense was so dominant, even defensively, Kansas city wasn't letting Buffalo do anything. And for me, you know, it's not, it's not just Josh Allen having a horrible day. He made plays, he was fighting in that game, but, you know, taking sacks. And I just got the feeling that, you know, I don't want this Bills team, you know, to turn into being uber reliant on Josh Allen to be there, everything. And we sort of saw that with Russell Wilson and the Seahawks, you know, you can't just rely on Josh Allen to get everything done. And that's not going to win you and get you into the Super Bowl. Yeah. You, you have to, you, you look at both of these teams and it's just, it's just too stark. I mean, you, you look at these two teams and there's just a stark difference. One looks like they've been there and they've done that. And the other look completely undisciplined and heavily reliant on their quarterback to make a play. Just one team looked desperate. The other looked like they were playing well-balanced football. And that's all, that's all the game was. I mean, you know, you, you look at, you want to say the Bills had a 9-0 lead. Oh my, they could have put the pressure on. No, they couldn't. They were put in the position and they just took advantage of that position, right? Kansas City came right back, did the dirty work and got the scores. And and that was it. That, that was the end of the, it was the end of the game. I would argue the game was over at half. Three straight touchdowns. You're not coming back from that, especially with Kansas City. So, as far as I look at this, I mean, it's good that the Bills have gotten the experience they need. They've learned some crucial lessons coming to this uh, point that they need to play more disciplined football. They can't be reliant on Josh Allen to make a play. His team has to make plays for him sometimes. And, you know, for, if I'm the Bills, we're going to see what happens next year. So, what do you think about the Chiefs heading into this Super Bowl matchup with the Bucks? You know, quick word because you know we're going to talk about this in depth next week. So just a quick word. What do you, what are your first thoughts on the Super Bowl matchup here? Yeah, for for me, really, you know, it starts with that Tampa Bay front four. They have to get after Patrick Mahomes. They have to make it hard on him. And you know, it's it's really just you you can't stop Kansas City. You can't stop them, but you can slow them down. 
and you just have to make them go down the field five yards, seven yards. Like the, in that Bills game, like you can't let Tyreek Hill run free. You can't have Nicole Hardman. And, and that's just, it's not just to say that these guys are faster, but the Bills defenders were not in position. And that's ultimately what allowed a possibly a four or five yard gain to be a 70 yard house call. And th- that's the difference. If Tampa Bay even wants a remote shot of winning this game, they're going to have to hold Kansas City under 30 points. And how you do that is stop them on third down, get after them, and really just don't let the big plays happen. Yeah, and, and I would argue right now the Bucks might have an off uh, – the they might have a defensive advantage here because Eric Fisher, he's going to be out for the Super Bowl. So, so that's going to be huge for that – Tampa Bay front four to get after Patrick Mahomes. And, you know, last week you made an effort to point out Tampa Bay's fast linebackers, Devin White and Levante David, and they're going to be crucial in getting their leverage, um, staying put, and, you know, just not allowing those big plays, those two fast linebackers that anchor the Tampa Bay defense, that's going to be crucial. So I'm looking at next week, and it's just going to be – Chiefs offense versus the Bucks defense. Who's able to hold who in check? All right. While we had the madness of the playoffs going on in January, we also had several coaching hires. And it looks like this offseason is going to be a fun one. So let's get into that. Yeah, let's, let's start talking about your Eagles moving on from Doug Peterson and hiring uh, Nick Sirianni. I want to know your first thoughts about this because it's it's really interesting given that he comes from the Colts offensive coaching staff and Frank Reich, who was he and Carson Wentz, he they had that connection. So so what are your first thoughts on this? Yeah, you know, everyone was saying, you know, Indy is the best fit for Carson Wentz. And I guess if you can't get Carson Wentz to Indy, you bring Indy to him. And that's, I guess that's the hope here. But really, you know, we don't know what Nick Sirianni really is, right? Frank Reich was really in charge of the offense there. He was calling the plays. It was really the Frank Reich show in Indy. But this is an opportunity here for, you know, a new up-and-coming offensive coach. You know, he has a background as a quarterback's guy, so he's going to be able to work with Carson. And really, I don't have an opinion one way or the other. I'm not going to come here and say, oh, Nick Sirianni is the newest, hottest offensive coach that's coming out or that he's going to fail. I don't, I don't know, honestly. We're going to have to see. But, you know, it, it's a new start for this Eagles team, and hopefully it can, it can go well for Carson Wentz and Nick Sirianni. Yeah, and I, I would argue now that the coaching – sort of that that question is answered, who's going to be leading this Eagles team. Now it's going to come to the quarterback's room. I think that's going to be the biggest question mark because bringing Indy to Philadelphia, like you said, um, is Carson Wentz going to be starting or, you know, is the team going to move forward with Carson Wentz or is he going to be a backup to Jalen Hurts who's going to start the season? So, so it, it's going to be a question mark now. And, you know, we haven't – gotten any real answers from the Eagles yet they, they really just don't have a decision to make here right now yeah but you know it, it really just feels like the whole Doug Peterson thing was you know choosing Wentz over Peterson for whatever that's worth you know I, I feel like they're at least going to 
try their very, very best to make it work with Carson Wentz. And, you know, he, he's still a very talented quarterback. He, he played very badly last year. Let, let's not forget that. He had a horrible season. But somewhere in there, there's still an MVP caliber guy. And hopefully, as an Eagles fan, we can, we can bring him out with new coaching. Yeah, I mean, we'll see. Because we know that Carson Wentz is capable. He did it a couple years ago. So we're going to see if, you know, hiring someone from the Colts staff is that that really unlocks uh, the true the, the true football player in Carson Wentz. All right, let's let's move to another team in the tri-state area, the Jets, who are they're they're just getting a fresh start, moving off of Adam Gaze, who was thank God I'm happy for the Jets moving off of Adam Gaze, and, and they're getting one of the best coaches they could have gotten uh, out of this year's batch in Robert Sala. What are, what are your thoughts on him? Yeah, Robert Sala, his defense in San Francisco, and they've been very consistent, playing very trem- – they play tremendous defense in the past couple of years. And I don't really have any questions um, or doubts about Sala as a defend- defensive guy. But really, you know, the question is, how are they going to handle the quarterback position? Is it Sam Darnold? Do you draft somebody? And, you know, they brought in Mike LaFleur, who is the brother of Matt LaFleur, as their offensive coordinator. So, you know, you bring in that, presumably, you bring in the West Coast system to, to New York now. And how do you feel? Like, what would you really do here? Do you think you can go forward with that cap space and Sam Darnold? Or do you think really the draft is the answer? I mean, if I'm being honest, I don't know. But the way I look at it, it's hard to mess up if you're the Jets because any way you look at it, it can be a good outcome. So say you stick with Sam Darnold. You can buy him weapons in free agency. You have the number two pick. You can go out and get Jamar Chase or Devontae Smith. So that's what you can do with Sam Darnold. Now, if you want to get Deshaun Watson, well, you know, here's a first round pick. Here's Sam Darnold as a compensation for your quarterbacks. Okay, let's get... Deshaun Watson. You want to go get, say, a Jimmy Garoppolo, bringing in that West Coast scheme, bringing in, you know, that 49ers connection. You go ahead and do that. You can't mess up in the with the position that the Jets are in, the salary cap, the, the draft picks. So the way I look at it, I don't know what's going to happen. All I know that it can – all I know is that it has to be a good outcome. All right. Hopefully it is for those Jets fans that have been through a lot. I mean, they're going to have to try to mess up here. Like it, it would be the Jetsiest way to mess up with this good of a situation if they just completely blow. I don't know what's going to, but they're going to have to really try if they want to mess this one up. So now let's take a look t- down South in Florida at the Jacksonville Jaguars. You know, they reached down into the college ranks and sign one of the best college coaches to ever do it, Urban Meyer, as their new head coach. How, how do you see this one playing out? I mean, as far as I know Urban Meyer and what I've seen, I mean, Ohio State is a perennial national championship contender in college football. I mean, every year they're great. Uh, even after Urban Meyer retired, you could see his influence on the team, you know, what, how he impacted the players and how well they have played. 
So he is one of the best coaches. Now, you know, we have seen in history that sometimes it does not translate, you know, Nick Saban with the Dolphins. So sometimes it just doesn't happen. But, you know, who are we to judge with this situation? Because, you know, we don't we don't know what's going to happen. We don't know the outcome. But it, it looks like, you know, the Jags, they're going to go out and draft Trevor Lawrence. So that's really what I'm looking at with the Jags here is how they develop the Urban Meyer and Trevor Lawrence connection in Jacksonville. And, and that's really the key because if I'm the Jags, I'm taking a six, seven year approach to this rather than, you know, within the next two years, we have to get to the playoffs type thing. Yeah, I agree with you hundred percent. And, you know, this is a really young team and they're only going to get younger drafting these pieces. And I just think even if you don't win a lot of football games, I think you have to establish that culture in Jacksonville, similar to, you know, what a Miami did last year, you know, they only won five games, but that culture that they built and, and you saw what that led to this year. And, you know, just a little teaser here. I sort of feel the same way about Carolina and the season they had, even though they didn't win a lot of games, I think they established that culture of, you know, competing. And, and even though they didn't win a whole lot of games, they were in these tough games. And I think, that's really, if you're a new coach coming in, that's, you have to establish that culture. And, and I would actually point out, you know, you look at Matt Rule, he came over from Baylor. Uh, you know, he's another college coach that transferred. And you look at the job that he did, like he, he wasn't focused on, you know, okay, we have to go to the playoffs here. You know, we have to win all these games. No, no, no. He was focused on establishing an identity, a culture for the Panthers, you know, putting his own imprint on the organization. And I think that that's exactly what Urban Meyer needs to do following some of these college coaches here. Look, let's look at the Detroit Lions here. And, you know, as a Saints fan, they hired one of the Saints coaches. I believe he was the tight ends coach, Dan Campbell. How do you feel about that hire? Well, you know, Dan Campbell, he's a pretty fiery guy, as you can tell by his crazy interview. But to be honest, he, he's, he's had a bit of coaching experience, obviously being an assistant coach with the Saints and a tight end coach at the same time. So he has had that experience calling some of the shots, but he hasn't had that big time head coach experience. So I'm as intrigued as you are as to seeing where he goes uh, with this Lions team. But, you know, he's getting a fresh start. Obviously, they're trading Matthew Stafford. They've committed to doing that. So, so you're presumably going to get two first-round picks here. You're going to get some ca salary cap space because they're looking to unload some guys. They're on some... They signed a bunch of veterans on one-year deals last year. So a lot of guys are going to come off the books, and they're going to have a lot of cap space there. So I'm looking at this similar to the Jets situation where it's, you have a lot of cap space. You have two first round picks. Um, it's going to be hard for you to mess this one up unless you miss on like five or six guys. But, you know, getting a fresh start, that's important for Detroit, which is they've had a franchise quarterback, but a mediocre team for a while. So it's good to see them sort of starting fresh. Yeah. And, and just as an Eagles fan, I think I can add a little bit to this. Um, they, they added Deuce Daly as their assistant head coach. And, He's a guy that brings a lot of experience. He was with the Eagles for a long time as our running backs coach and slash offensive coordinator-ish. But really, you know, there was he, he's really respected within the Eagles organization. And there were even some people that thought that he could be a potential Eagles head coaching candidate. So 
I'm sure that, you know, Dan Campbell's not alone in this. He's going to have a lot of help with his decision-making, you know, and, and really it's just a fresh start for Detroit and we'll see how that goes. Yeah. Well, well speaking of a player who's trying to get a fresh start, we have to talk about this drama that's going on in Houston with Deshaun Watson. And I mean, can I just say, I feel bad, so bad for Houston. Not only have they gotten rid of James Harden, their star guard, but now they're in danger of losing their star quarterback when the Texans. And a lot of people have been saying Deshaun might've played his last snap for the Texans. What are your thoughts about this drama here? Yeah, it, it really feels like he played his last snap. And, you know, when you have a player that it, it's pretty clear he does not want to play for the Houston Texans. And, and at that point, you know, you just have to look for the best offer to trade him. And does it fall on ownership? Does it fall on management? Is it the players? I, I just think Houston's also a team. You know, it's not just a fresh start for Deshaun, but I think the Texans themselves as an organization, they need a fresh start. They haven't been able to get it done for a long time now. And just have to bring in new coaching, whatever, new new ownership, whatever it has to be. You have to bring in new people and, you know, really change the situation in Houston. Yeah, and I mean, it's not like Deshaun made the decision out of the blue. I mean, the ownership, you look at what they did, the mistrust there, you know, you, you can't go out and promise your quarterback the face of your franchise, you know, if your team is going to win, he has to play amazing. You can't promise that kind of player a, a say in who's going to be the coach, you know, certain decisions, trying to, trying to improve the team, improve the culture, and then just completely ignore his opinion, not include him in any search, and not even talk to him for weeks. You can't do that. that that's that's a recipe for mistrust and players wanting to get out of that organization. And I mean, you look at where Deshaun is and from his standpoint, you can't fault him for wanting out of Houston, even though he's, he had that major payday last year. Yeah. It's simply, it's just not, it's not good right now in Houston. It's just not. And you know, something's going to change. It's looking like Deshaun Watson's going to move on. And hopefully that's the best for both parties involved. With that said, thank you for listening to the 30th episode of our podcast, The Backfield Drift. Stay tuned for our next episode where we'll preview Super Bowl 55, Mahomes versus Brady on the biggest stage the game has to offer. Until then, it's been Sabit Trinabas and Arnav Rastogi. Stay safe and take care.